Hello and welcome back again to the Tech Petition Podcast. Um, it's been a while, but I'm here with my brother Clarence. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. I guess as well as can be expected under the circum the the current circumstances. But I'm doing pretty well, man. And uh, like always, I'm glad to be back in the saddle to uh, do another Tech Petition Podcast. What about you, man? Oh man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's been it's been a long time. Um I got out of the podcast game for a while, so <laughs> <laughs> it's been about what, nine months? Yeah, it's been a minute, man. But we're back again. Um and uh do you have anything you wanna discuss or talk about before we get started? Um uh, man, nothing really about um other than just saying, um, you know, everybody keep your head up. We're going to make it through this. <laughs> we have a few few stories pertaining to some of the Corona stuff, tech related stories. But but, yeah, man, um, I'm doing well, man. Just like I said, happy to be podcasting again. What about you? Same, man. Just excited to be back in the saddle. Maybe get kicked off on some more writing, some more articles and things and whatnot for the site. Um, But I guess to start off, we can start off with the. Uh, with the lamest thing I've, I found, um, Google Stadia is now free to anyone with a Gmail address. Yay, I think. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so unless you've been under the rock for the last year, Google launched their streaming gaming service, Google Stadia, a.k.a. Gaikai, a.k.a. OnLive, a.k.a. PlayStation Now. Um, it's been out for quite a bit. Um, if you subscribed, you got like Destiny for free and you got like i think it was one other game and then the rest of the games you had to buy and not only did you have to pay for the games you had to subscribe to the service um but you didn't necessarily need their controller i think you can play from a web browser or a phone if i'm not mistaken um i don't know if they had a native client but anyway um you used to have to purchase to in order to um use it but now it's free and in stadia pro is free for two months um thoughts so so <laughs> you, is it is it free f- just for infinity or that's just a, a promotion you, you won't uh, be charged well, for the next two months of the service yeah hmm interesting so you get that's stadia pro um the regular stadia where there's no subscription fee um, and I think you don't, you don't get any free games or you might just get like, yeah, well, I don't know the other one was like $5 a month or something. And you, um, you got like a couple games free, but you still had to buy the rest of them. Oh, yeah. You don't get 4k a, either. It's like a, got a few more caveats in there, but, but, you yeah. know, just speaking generally about this, I think it's kind of the, the dream on the face of it. To be able to go to any computer with Google Chrome installed or, you know, if you have the uh, applicable, uh, application installed on any of your devices, you can instantly plug in and just start playing. Granted, you have a decent Internet connection. That's kind of the dream. No hardware to buy, no hardware to maintain. You're always playing in 4K and you're getting the up to date uh, graphics and security patches, patches and so on for the games. There you go. On the face of it, that sounds great, but <laughs> it's it's almost just the mentality that we've gotten in these days of, especially when you take into consideration services like um, Xbox Game Pass and, you know, you talk about video yeah. with Netflix. We're kind of into the mode of I pay a monthly fee and get everything. So, yeah. so the notion of saying I have to pay a monthly fee and then pay a pay for a sixty dollar game, which is supposed to be streamed in four K, but probably isn't. It's kind of a hard sell. It really is. Yeah, I mean, to me, there are two huge caveats to this. Um, you mentioned one of them, talking about Game Pass, especially on PC. Like, it's a super hard sell because, like, um, I'm paying five bucks bucks a month for the PC version of Game Pass, and I'm getting new games. Microsoft first party games plus they have this huge library and I don't have to pay anything else and the games on Stadia are not like brand new games yeah, yeah. and there's also like the catch 22 of if you have a internet connection good enough to utilize 4k with this you can probably afford a decent PC yeah graphics cards are semi decent PC well decent graphics cars are not that much I mean 
Yeah. Uh, they definitely come down in price over the years. So, yeah, the buy-in now for a decent PC is not that high. Yeah, so it's just, I mean, in, in theory, this sounds cool, but I, it's, I don't know. They're going to have to go with the Netflix approach where you pay a monthly fee and then everything on the service is free. Yeah. Like, you, you can't just... You can't charge people after the monthly fee, especially, you know, with Netflix and Disney and all these other companies offering a whole bunch of value for under 20 bucks a month. You just it's just going to be a hard sell. Yeah. And just and, and just real quick before we move on. I mean, if you look at it from a developer's point of view slash publisher who wants to put their games on this service is it, it requires them to do work. It's not just a Windows PC that they're running this on. They have their own uh edge platform that they're using to run these games on which i think is linux based but yeah i think it's amd linux yeah and linux yeah but the developers have to do work too so that instantly um you know makes it a harder sell yes indeed how about you take the next one sir uh well have your pick well do we want to <laughs> stay on the game track because i'm going to pivot more to uh, i guess real world corona <laughs> influence stories uh like, I guess we can, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Why not? Let's jump around. <laughs> yeah, so so everybody's working from home these days, and hopefully you are. You're, hopefully you're not in a, an industry where you have to go into the office. You know, hats off to all of our medical professionals out there who are doing God's work right now. Uh, and actually, you know, people in the service industry, uh, postal workers, things like that, who are still out there in the field. But, you know, a lot of people are actually working from home now as well as students getting homeschooled. And one of the platforms, as everybody learns to <laughs> work from home and use video-centric uh, services, uh, Zoom is one of the platforms that has really, really taken off since um, since we've been kind of self-isolating. Uh, uh, and uh, let me ask you, have you used Zoom before? Or Yes. I mean, the last two places that I worked, use zoom so I've, i'm quite familiar with it <laughs> yeah so this is kind of the free choice that a lot of people have really um latched on to you know schools some companies and start started to use but this service has so many problems <laughs> i mean from a security point of view it's it, it I think it preaches uh in the encryption on its website but it's not in the encryption um it mm-hmm. it 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 in, inherently in the architecture of the service, uh, there are so many inherent flaws. And uh, I think of one huge one is that if anybody gets your meeting ID, they can do some uh, <laughs> reverse engineering and be able to just jump in your meetings. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Yeah. Um, um, LeVar Burton was doing a oh, yeah. Star Trek Next Generation <laughs> chat with all of the fellow uh, cast members. And his Zoom ID was in the screenshot that got leaked. Uh, people have been reverse engineering that and, and jumping into his meetings. And, and this is just happening across the board. I think there's a whole Reddit channel dedicated to <laughs> jumping in people's meetings. Yeah. There's just like, you can find just a big dump of meeting IDs and yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a huge, huge, huge thing, especially when we're all of a sudden making this pivot to making video conferencing pivotal to how we operate in everyday life. So so the CEO of Zoom, um, and I'm trying to get his name, Eric Yon, actually apologized to users for their security lapses that has pretty much decimated the the, the platform in the last few weeks. Um, I'm not really sure they'll be able to pivot so quickly because um, a lot of the flaws in the system is inherent to how it was architected, like I said, but they are making changes to to make it better. And it's even gone as far as some governmental and um, and company and company um, uh, wide security uh, uh, enforcement is going into make that, you know, Zoom not a viable product to use. So, yeah, so it's definitely um, been good and bad, both for Zoom in this current climate. But I will say it's been good for video conferencing in general. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking earlier because I was like, I need to get a new webcam. Mine is only 720p and I popped up Amazon and like all the webcams are sold out. Like every one of them is sold out and people are gouging 
uh, there's a few on there where like there's like I saw a 720p webcam for like people this dude was selling it for like 500 bucks that's crazy i'm man. sure nobody's gonna buy that but um it's slim pickings these days yeah yeah as you will find with many things much like toilet paper <laughs> when the need arises uh people just go and grab them <laughs> off the shelves as soon as they can and yeah it's it's uh interesting to see this pivot to see you know if we even extend that to um uh, primetime television talk shows and uh, things like that, where we've been using Skype, we've been using live streaming and things for such a long time. But now you're seeing these big industries having to pivot and utilize a bunch of these tools and figure it out as they go, so to speak. A lot of things that we've been doing for a long time. So it's kind of cool to see that happen uh, and kind of see it happen in real time. It's, it's been interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, <laughs> There's a couple of things they could do like right off the bat to fix Zoom. One is stop having unique meeting IDs for everybody and <laughs> just generate a new ID for each meeting. Yeah. Like that would be an easy fix right there. Um but yeah, it's I I'm, I'm interested to see if they're going to be able to recover from this cuz most of the times when something like this happens, it's really hard for the company to get their standing back, so yeah. we'll see. Indeed. Cool. Well, um I guess I'll go next. Um, let's stick with the Corona vibe for a second. So, as you know, um, coronavirus. What what can I say that hasn't already been said? But one thing I will say is that you know, if uh, you know, if you watch TV or live sports, um, you're pretty much your options are limited right now because there are no live sports. There's just all the sports stations are showing replays of iconic sporting events like there's hardly any um organizations operating right now yeah. um and it's been really interesting to see how some of these organizations pivot i know the nba i don't even know if the nba held it it might have just been uh take two i mean 2k sports they held like an nba 2k tournament where like a bunch of nba players um they would play against each other and they streamed it yeah. um um there hasn't been a whole lot but one organization that has quickly adapted surprisingly to me at least if you would have asked me which sports organization would have pivoted the fastest from this i would not have guessed nascar yeah just wouldn't have guessed it but it's if you think about it it's perfectly set up for this um type of thing um just so basically nascar started a i racing league um it's called the e nascar pro invitational i racing series and um you have real life NASCAR drivers competing on their home simulators. And like, this is being uh, broadcast um, on television. Interesting. And um, it's been a quick pivot for them and their sponsors. And they're, you know, they're finding ways to survive in this different environment, which I thought was cool. And um, that's the real story. But there was also a story of uh, Bubba Wallace, who, if you don't know who Bubba Wallace is, he's I think he's like the only black NASCAR <laughs> pro NASCAR driver. Um, basically, um, the, in one of the races, this guy cut him off and he had a wreck <laughs> and he got and he got mad and he like quit the race. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I mean, in real life, he probably would have been dead anyway. So um, he, he was like really upset <laughs> and he quit the race. Like you can watch the video. Some people have it on their Twitters or whatever. But, um, you know, in video games, we think rage quit. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah. it's not the classy thing to do, but, you know, it is just a video game. But for Bubba Wallace, it was not just a video game because one of his sponsors, Blue Emu, um, which is this pain, topical pain um, medicine thing, they actually were sponsoring his stream. So in his screen, it was like at the top center, it said Blue Emu. Anyway, <laughs> they dropped him. Wow. They not only dropped him for, from sponsoring iRacing, they dropped him from sponsoring like his NASCAR, um, his car. Like they completely discontinued their partnership over this. Because, wow. um, I mean, if you think about it, they did lose money. Yeah. Because he stopped in the race. But it, it, this is a bit shocking to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the viewership numbers are for this because because i wouldn't think it would be that high but i could be totally wrong 
But see, this is the thing, though. This crosses over. I feel like it crosses over because what is the appeal of watching a streamer? It's somebody that is very, very good at the video game that you're watching them play. Normally, now, sometimes there's just like some cheap, like, sometimes girls like wear like bikinis and they play games. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like mainstream streamers. It's mostly because this guy is really, really good, or girl is really, really good at the game and it's entertainment. So I feel like not only if you're a NASCAR fan, this is something you would check out on, but even if you're a streamer, they are playing a video game. So, I mean, I feel like it has some crossover appeal, maybe not a whole lot, but um, they're getting like 1.3 million viewers. Yeah. I think something else that I heard about this is the fact that, of course, most of these uh, professional drivers are already going to have a pretty premium uh, PC simulation set up uh, that they just train on, period. You know, you should look. You say that, but you should look at the the nested link that I posted Mm -hmm. because it's basically a bunch of their rigs. Some of them are insane, but there's this one guy. He's like, he's got a table, he's got a patio chair with his (laughs) pedals, and he's on a laptop. (laughs) Oh God! Well, we know who's getting uh, not making all the NASCAR bucks here. But yeah, some of these guys have the huge triple screens with the harnessed like roll cage racing simulator. I mean, some of them are pretty slick, but some of them are look kind of like. You're a professional NASCAR driver, and you're playing on a, a looks like a 15 inch monitor, and yeah, um, hey, yeah, got to get them bucks but any it, way you can, man. It's still really cool, though. I feel like that they're actually doing this. I'm like, this is a thing. It, it, it just kind of blows my mind. I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah, I mean, overreacting it, to it, but I, I think it's really cool. And it does as far as far as sports go in general. It does seem like one of the sports that are that is most adept to you know pivoting in this direction when you think of the nba no uh everybody's not going to attempt to buy an island like dana white from the ufc so (laughs) your options are pretty limited here and as far as it goes i think this one translates as well as can be expected really it does yeah yeah definitely i mean I mean, they're still just making left turns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, still okay. making left turns. <laughs> yeah. So, All right. Cool. Uh, I would jump in now with another story. Uh, I talked about Zoom a minute ago, but I do want to talk really quick about um, video conferencing do's and don'ts. So I kind of have two stories here. First, we'll, I'll talk about Microsoft Teams and how mm-hmm. they're doing things to Uh, Filter out some of those do's and don'ts that make conferencing pretty bad. Like, you know, they they're applying this or they're getting ready to experiment with this filter that filters out typing or barking or or the noises in the background of video calls. Okay, that's cool. Good good for you, Microsoft Teams. But when you get into the more general do's and don'ts of video conferencing, and I think I've probably seen them all. (laughs) So The Verge has an article here that offers a few tips, and I'll go through them real quick. Number one is set up your space. If you work from home, you want to have your space that is kind of your office. You don't want to be just in the same place where the family is. So that's the yep. that's the first tip. Set, uh, set up your space. Uh, the next one is check your appearance. Now, me, uh, right now, I'm just, you know, rocking it in a T-shirt. I'm not too concerned. But, you know, um, don't get on there with bedhead or, you know, have your bonnet still on your head while you're on conferencing <laughs> with, with the CEO or whatever from your office. That's, that's a don't. That's a don't. That's a don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting, your call, starting your call, mute your freaking audio when you start the call. Uh, that's one of the big things people get on and they don't. Uh, have their audio muted and they just blow up the call. You know, if everybody does that, it would make a horrible situation. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and that kind of translates into know when to turn your video or an audio on and off kind of makes sense. You know, signal when you want to talk. So you may have to raise your hand if you're on video, you know, people can see you or, you know, you may have your own method for your company that you use to signal when you want to talk, maybe hit, hit the chat real quick to get the speaker's attention. And uh, I'll last last but not least, I'll just say stay focused because it's hard when you work from home and doing a lot of video conferencing uh, to stay focused throughout the call. So don't be like wandering off and doing other stupid stuff while you should be paying attention. 
So that's kind of what the Verge have. I have a few myself. Don't play with your animals while you're on a work call. If if we if we gotta you know take oh ten five to ten minutes of every call to for you to go you know calm your dog down, you're probably doing something wrong. You're probably doing something wrong. Don't be eating cereal or other food while you're trying to do a call. Oh, that's my pet peeve, man. <laughs> like I can tell you the amount of times I've been on a call, like a deployment call. And then somebody just starts eating something and they don't mute their mic. And I'm like, could you please mute? I don't want to hear you munching on like a cheeseburger. Like, just, yeah. just mute your call. Mute your mic. Yeah, man. And it's just it's basically all common sense, common etiquette stuff. But people just, I guess when they get in their home environment, they just don't think. I mean, don't be on the call smoking a cigarette. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. Come on. It's 2020 here. <laughs> Especially not on video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I digress. I digress. Do you have any do's and don'ts that we didn't mention besides the the eating noises? Um eating is my big pet peeve. Uh let me see. Can I think of anything else? Yeah, if you leave the room, you know, or you have to step away, please mute. <laughs> <laughs> Because you don't want to forget that you're on a call and, you know, start yapping with your wife. I remember, like, when I first started using Zoom, um, I was on a conference call with one of my previous employers. And there was a couple of managers on a call. And Gwen walked in the room, my wife, and she asked me about something. And I got aggravated. And we started kind of raising our voices at each other. And my boss at the time messaged me. is like, please mute your mic. Oh, and I felt like, oh, my God. Wow. I felt like... An inch tall. Wow. Yeah. So that was pretty much my lesson in that. I mean, if you're new to this type of thing, I mean, it it takes a while to adapt. I worked, I've been working from home for a long, but probably almost a year. So, like, it takes a while to get used to it. But once you do, I mean, you get in your own little groove. You got to find your own space, though. That's, that's the big one. You know, don't sit in the living room with your dogs and, um, try to work because it's not going to work oh and the other one my other one is don't go out well you don't have to worry about that right now but (laughs) if you're if you're out with your friends like at a bar or something don't call into a meeting just don't just don't even go like don't even show up yeah because it's it's like whenever you talk, we're going to hear the woo people. Woo! We're going to hear all that in the background. And it's like, again, you don't have to worry about that now. But I, it's happened to me before where I've been on a conference call and somebody is like not at home or in a quiet place. And they're in a public place trying to be on the call, trying to show that they're dedicated. But it just, yeah, yeah, it just ends up making everything worse for everybody. Yeah. And, and real quick before we pivot, uh, I'll just mention uh, maybe and this wasn't an actual conference call. This was like a live interview, but n- no one can forget the notorious interview with uh, Robert Kelly from the UK on BBC News, where his kids, oh, his kids. <laughs> press into the room and the mom dives to get the kid out. It's just classic. Just or, classic. Or, or another classic. <laughs> Uh, Techpedition's own Johnny Green. <laughs> I got chopped <laughs> out, but I remember what you're talking about. It was great. <laughs> we were on a conference call with Johnny Man. Like, we got to get him back on here. Yeah, um, but we were, <laughs> we were. He was talking about something, and his kids all walked in <laughs> in the background and was just like looking, like, what is he doing? Yeah, that was pretty. And they were great. like in their underwear and stuff. It was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, man, that was that was pretty great, man. That was that was oh man, that's such a freaking crazy moment. I mean, this even happened to me on here before, where one of my daughters busts in. I mean, yeah, you do you do the best you can, I guess. And you know, the more you do these things from home, you learn, and you know, eventually good at it. You know, indeed. Oh man. Okay. Um. All right then. Okay, I guess we will. We shall pivot again. Um, you know, we've it's been quite a lot has happened since our last podcast. I guess I'll say that. <laughs> um, we have received specs for both the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X. Um, the new PlayStation controller was also revealed. Um, it looks an awful lot like an Xbox One controller. Just saying. Yeah. Um, but the main thing for me here is. 
the specs for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. They're both using custom AMD CPUs and GPUs. Um, they're both 8-core, 16-threads. Um, the Xbox Series X is clocked a little higher, but they're both using multi-threads. So 8-core, 16-threads on a um, console. I mean, Crazy. and we have AMD RDNA 2 GPUs, which is basically the 5700 XT um, CPU, GPUs that they have out now. It's probably a custom version of that. Um, the PlayStation 5 one is doesn't have quite as many compute units as the Xbox Series X one, but they are clocked a little bit higher. Um, the Xbox Series X does edge it out in raw GPU performance, though, with a whopping 12.155 teraflops. That puts it just under a 2080 Ti wow. um, as far as teraflops compute power. One thing I'll say about that, though, is that actually the, this does more teraflops than my 2080 Super does. But one thing I will say about that, though, is with AMD GPUs, their teraflops don't necessarily translate into GPU performance because I had a, uh, what was that, an R9 Nano, mm -hmm. which had way more teraflops than whatever the NVIDIA car that was out at the time. Um, it had like eight. It was, it was something ridiculously high. I don't know if it was eight, but... It didn't play games as well as the the NVIDIA stuff did. So, I mean, teraflops is really just a compute number. I mean, what what really matters more is how much the developers are able to squeeze out of the hardware. Yeah. Um, they both have 16 gigs of RAM. Um, the memory bandwidth is, like, slightly higher on the, um, on the PlayStation 5. And it's got higher, it's got more IO throughput. It's got quite a bit more IO throughput. Um, almost in in, un, in in uncompressed, it's got like almost twice as much as the Series X. Um, well, actually, compressed and uncompressed. It's the IO is super fast. It's got a custom SSD. Um, they both come with well. The PlayStation 5 comes with eight twenty five gigabyte SSD. Xbox Series X is using NVMe. One terabyte. Um, I do believe the PlayStation 5's SSD is going to be a lot faster than the Xbox Series X oh, one. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard too. Um, one thing that kind of like mystified or like I was kind of left scratching my head was that the only kind of memory expansion you can do for Series X games is the one terabyte NVMe proprietary expansion card. Like if you have Xbox One games or Xbox 360 games, you're able to store those on a hard drive and plug it in, but you won't be able to put any Xbox Series X games on there. And I'm assuming it's because they these games are probably custom designed for the fast hard drive. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I think it really does. Um yeah. Yeah, I think with the Series X, you know, you you could buy the expansion which I'm sure would be highly uh crazy priced. Uh with the PlayStation 5 though, I think it's a little bit different. You they're going to have a select choice of uh expansion uh modules that you can buy from different um different providers. A very select yeah. uh expansion yeah, one terabyte NVMEs aren't cheap, so I don't I don't imagine either one of these will be cheap to expand. But we're that's the price you pay for having super fast storage, which I think is a fine trade off. Yeah. Um, and both of these have 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray players, which is amazing. Um, I thought it was a little weird that the PS4 Pro or PS4, neither one of them, had 4K Blu-ray. I believe the Xbox One X has 4K Blu-ray, so. Not really a change there for the Xbox. Um, and they're also doing some some really interesting things on the PlayStation 5 with the spatial audio. Um, they've got like this 3D audio spec thing called Sony Tempest that um, is supposed to like revolutionize game audio. I haven't really looked a whole lot into it, but I have a couple of friends that have been talking about it. So I'm interested to see where that goes as well. Um, so, yeah, it's basic rundown. Yeah, yeah. Which one are is looking like something that's going to be more suited toward you? Because I have a few thoughts on this, and I've heard some some more of our friends talking about this based on 
what Xbox is doing with their first party titles as far as Game yeah, Pass and I'm, what you can accomplish on the PC. So any thoughts on on which one is like really tickling yeah, your I'm fancy? Definitely, I'm definitely not buying the Series X. Um, two reasons. The first reason is this is basically a PC <laughs> and my PC is better than this. So like, I mean, I don't have a 4K Blu-ray player, but I mean, this is basically a PC. All the Xbox first party stuff will be released on PC. Um, and the third party stuff, I'm probably pretty sure I'll be able to get on PlayStation 5. Um, the only reason that I'll probably get a PlayStation 5 is for exclusives. And I'll only yeah. buy one if something comes out and I'm like, oh my God, I have to have that. So like Spider-Man that came out on PS4, um, Persona 5, which I'm playing Persona 5 Royal right now and it's amazing. But like games like that, that are like exclusive titles that you can only find on PlayStation, I will definitely probably end up getting a PS5 if something like that comes out. With the Xbox, I can play all the exclusives on my PC. Yeah. I've been doing it. Um, the Outer Worlds came out uh, last year, and I played through it for my $5 a month. I'm sure they're going to jack up the price of Game Pass in the next year or so, but I am thoroughly enjoying Game Pass, and it's a huge value. Even if it was $20 a month, it would be it would be a huge value. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll keep an eye out for it, you know, I don't know. I have kind of mixed feelings about it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and since I'm not really rocking the rocking the top of the line PC like you are, I'm probably still going to get a Series X because, you know, I'm kind of on the Xbox bandwagon. I am very, uh, I do have a very big appeal to the PlayStation 5 and 4, for that matter, for all the uh, awesome exclusive titles that it has that I really wish I had the opportunity to, to play, but I guess I'm just kind of stuck in my ecosystem right now and don't want to switch. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that I would end up getting a Series X, and it'd be a pretty big reason, is if they somehow don't open up multiplayer on the newer games this year. If they decide not to do that, I'll probably end up getting another Xbox so I can play with my family, my nephews and stuff, uh, or our nephews, excuse me, uh, on here. Uh, but other than that, I'd... I mean, it would have to be something like that where they start locking down multiplayer again, or it'd have to be some peripheral reason outside of the specs. Because, I mean, the specs are impressive. Um, but one like caveat I have to both of these machines is that, I mean, if you buy one of these machines, you're to take full advantage of it, you're going to have to probably buy a new television. And the reason I say that, you you might be like, Carrie, my television is 120 hertz. I don't need to buy a new television. And I would argue, yes, you do. Because I would say 99 point or I would say 90 percent of all uh, 120 hertz televisions are not actually 120 hertz. It refreshes at 120 hertz, but it does not accept a 120 hertz signal from a source. So basically your Xbox or your television or whatever, what your cable company, they're sending the cable box sending 60 hertz to your television. And then your television has a special chip that does interpolation, which is basically a fancy, fancy word for interlacing, which is what we had in the 90s. Um, and it bumps up the frame rate to 120 hertz. Interesting. So. I mean, in the same, I mean, AK, eh, I don't think either one of these machines is actually going to be able to do AK. Like, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Like, not at all. Yeah, that's not because even on my radar. The specs aren't good enough for that, um, unless they do some serious finagling. Um, and there, there's also been some talk of, like, ray tracing. I don't know what, in, uh, I don't know what AMD has for ray tracing, so I can't really confirm or deny that, but... You it might be able to output 120 hertz in 8K, but you're not gonna have many games using that. I don't think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's awesome, man. I I can't wait to get my hands on one of these guys. Probably not this year because I think they're probably gonna get pushed back yeah. to 2021 sometime. Yeah, they both got pushed. I believe they what? I believe they both got pushed ah, to mm, next year. Interesting. Well, that's kind of the times we're in right now, so I, I can't blame them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to be bummed because I was really looking forward to the new Halo game. 
So maybe things will pick back up, but I'm not really looking forward for it to. <laughs> no, I guess neither am I. Actually, the the Series X isn't coming out this year, though. It's coming out next year, right? Uh, I think it was supposed to come out this year, 2020. Oh, it is supposed to come out this year. Okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, they I they had, so you should look up this YouTuber named Austin Evans. Uh, they gave him an exclusive uh, hands-on um, uh, tour of of the the Series X, and they look pretty freaking cool. So. Yeah, look for that if you can. Uh, Austin Evans uh, Xbox Series X um, tour or unveiling, whatever they called it. Nice. Nice. Cool. All right. So let me ask you, sir, have you ever heard of anything, well, before this year, called the Defense Production Act of 1950? <laughs> um, Not before this year, no. I, I Yeah, I'm kind of familiar with it now, but no, I hadn't. Yeah, and even if I did hear, hear of it before this year, I probably, you know, completely have forgot it. But, but yeah, so it's an act to establish a system of priorities and allocations for material facilities, authorize the requ- requisitioning thereof, provide financial assistance for expansion of productive capacity and supply. Uh, okay, I'm going to stop right there. It's a lot. <laughs> so basically all it, means is that if the government needs something in a certain time uh, to produce goods or services for national security's sake, the the uh, president can or the government can request companies, private entities to do these things. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. of course, because of the current climate we're in, we're in need of um, uh, respirators. We're in need of certain other than um, ventilators for the common good of the nation. So there, uh, there are companies like, again, I said private entities that you would never Mm -hmm. think would be doing these type of things that are actually um, helping to produce these things under, I think some of them, most of them are doing it voluntarily at this point, but if they didn't, um, the president had the right to tell them to do it. So yeah, it comes like Ford, GM, GE, uh, three. Yeah, I believe. I believe Ford. He he pretty much made them start making ventilators. I believe. Oh, really? Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's kind of the times we in, and really the only reason I bring this story up because I think it's interesting that I mean these companies, these private entities, have to pivot to make something they have probably no idea how to make at the time they were requisitioned to do so. <laughs> Uh, pretty quickly to to um, serve the the good of the nation, and I'll pivot that into saying Apple has kind of been doing something in this field as well. They have made <laughs> their um, face shield design, and I, I don't know if they released it yet. But to explain how this things this thing looks, think of a squat team with the you know the little clear glass they pull over their face when they're going in. This is kind of what this thing looks like. I mean, it's kind of awfully ugly for something that Apple produces. You wouldn't ever think that Apple would produce something like this. But, you know, Tim Cook did a live video conference and he kind of talked about it. Uh, So he said, we've launched a company-wide effort bringing together product designers, engineering, operations, and packaging teams and our suppliers to design, produce, and ship face shields for healthcare workers. So, again, not a lot to say here other than I find it interesting how uh, these private entities are actually chipping in to for the better good of the nation, um, whether voluntarily or not. So it's kind of the state we're in um, right now, unfortunately. Yeah, it's very, very cool. I think they actually have an Apple knowledge base page. I saw that earlier. I'll have to see if I can find it later. But, yeah, there's a knowledge base guide on their face shield on their site. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about it though, because we're basically at war yeah. with this thing. Yeah. So, um, let's see, did we get through everything? I think we did. Yeah. Um, oh wait, how could I forget? Oh my God. So, um, <laughs> your big story of the year. You forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I remember playing Final Fantasy seven, Way back when, I didn't have a PlayStation, but we had a PC thanks to my brother buying a gateway. 
Uh, so I was able to buy the PC version of Final Fantasy VII. It came out about a year after the PlayStation version did, some, something like that. But that, you know, I loved the game back then. I still love it. I purchased it across many different platforms at many <laughs> different times. Um, but, I mean, I guess to say that I was really pumped about the Final Fantasy VII remake, it's been, it's been a long time coming. Um, I remember when the PS3 came out. I, I, I want to say it was a PS3. They had a Final Fantasy VII tech demo thing that they did. And ever since then, I mean, way back since the PS3, there, there's been rumors that they've been working on this game. Well, it's it's finally it'll finally be out tomorrow. But I mean, I'm gonna buy it, and I'm excited for it. But there are a few things to know going in. Some of them good. Some of them not good. Uh, one of the good things is this is taking a real time um, battle system. So if you don't like RPGs, I don't think you do. Do you? I've um, never really been a fan. <laughs> this is a real time. Like if you've ever seen me play Kingdom Hearts, um, it's a real time battle system where you're running around and you when you press the attack button, they attack. And, you know, there are some menus to go into and stuff to like do commands, but for the most part, it's a real-time battle system, which is probably a welcome addition. Um, another cool thing is the visuals have been highly, highly, highly upgraded. Everything looks beautiful. Um, the The dialogue and story that I, I mean, I've only played the demo so far. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed the demo. I thought it was really well done. They kept in enough stuff from the old game to make you know make you grin every now and then. But I don't. It'd be one of those things where. New people will definitely be able to appreciate it, but um, they definitely give some nods to the to the OGs like me. So um, that was really nice. Um, one thing that's kind of a huge con, though, um, this isn't the whole game. Yeah, it's basically only about the first five hours of the actual Final Fantasy VII original game. It's only about first five hours of the game but they've taken those first five hours and they've created a 40-ish hour video game out of it i don't know how they did that they've probably just create you know things are probably just drawn out a lot more and there's more detail but they've obviously added things um you never leave megger which is the city you start in um they have sephiroth on the cover and i'm like i don't even think you there's i don't even think you ever see well i'm sure they throw some stuff (laughs) in there but you never, at this point in the original game, you never even see Sephiroth. So I think he might be in a few flashbacks. But um, I'm really bummed out about that. So and, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. No, I was just going to ask. At, at, at a fifth of the original game, which they've pushed out the 40 hours, like, uh, does the price come down or is this a $60 title? Oh, it's a full it's a full title. They've taken those first five hours of the original game and they've just expanded it. Think about what Peter Jackson did with The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. He made three movies with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's like to me the closest analog to this. And there was really no need for them to do this. Like that's the thing that I'm still kind of conflicted about because let's say they plan on releasing episodes of Final Fantasy VII. Um how long until the whole game comes out? This one took about 10 years for them to actually finish. Okay, I'll be generous and say it maybe took them seven to finish this. Um, the That covers like the first five or six hours of the game. We're talking like a 40 to 60 hour game and even longer if you decide to do everything yeah. um, in the original game. And I'm just really worried that they will never finish this. But what if you get these first uh, 40 hours and you're so filled, it, it can may, maybe tide you over until the next part comes out? If you never leave Megar, there's no way this is going to tide me over because there's so much stuff that happens once you leave Megar. Like, it would be like, I'm trying to think of the, the, the analog to this in like another game. So, I guess, think Super Mario 3. Think about if they remade Super Mario 3. But it was only like the first map of levels. Mm, yeah, that would suck. But they they branched it out and made things more detailed. But it's like... <sighs> so, so this is like a complete reimagining of the original. Uh, they're not just upscaling the old... No, they're not using <laughs> any of the original assets. There are no original assets in this, I don't believe. Um, even the music's been redone. Like Everything's been redone. 
So nice. Yeah. It's it's they say it's a remake, but it's pretty much a new game with a new engine and just some like flashbacks, I guess, to the original. But again, like my big my big problem with this is that they're never going to finish this. I'll just say it. There's no way they would, if if this is the rate they're going, they would have to make just doing simple math. They would have to make ten installments of this to finish the real game. I mean, unless they actually decided to like you know follow the original story, you know. It, well, I, I mean, well, man, you got to think about it. Maybe a lot of the first what seven years to get this first part out had a lot to do with. Uh, do we really even want to do this? Um, how much of a reimagining do we really want to uh, accomplish here? So I do feel like once they have these assets in place and have an idea of the direction they're going to go in as far as style and and um, expanding the world, I think they could probably push stuff out a lot sooner. Even, you know, if I think about other game companies that do something that's, that's of a similar scale uh, with the right team that could possibly get it every few years, which I think that'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, if they stay on it and they release things regularly and they cover more hours of the original game in the next few installments, maybe I'll feel a lot better about it. But I just, I, at this point, I'm skeptical that they'll even finish. But I hope they do. Um, it's a wonderful game, and I love that you know a new generation of gamers will get to experience it for the first time. Um, but yeah, the first one will always hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> and it'll be another 20 years before we get the end of this one. <laughs> oh man, it's like I don't, I don't understand, man. Like, okay, mini rent coming. Like, I don't understand what it is about companies. And their cash cows and them not treating them properly. Like, I just don't know what's up with that. Perfect example. Final Fantasy XII, they did a remastering of Final Fantasy XII, given it's a bit of a newer game. But all they did was enhance the graphics, make it, you know, make it high definition, make it widescreen, enhance the graphics. Bam, there you go. Okay, with this, it'd be a little more work. I get that. But, yeah. you know, even with, like, Funimation and Dragon Ball, man, like, all of their other properties, they have these perfect dubs. Like, they released the sets in their their Blu-ray, their 4-3 aspect ratio, like, the original. You know, it's remastered. The dub is great. But then with with, with Dragon Ball Z, they want to make it – they want to take a 4-3 show and make it widescreen. They chop off part of the top and the bottom of the 4-3 frame and stretch it out so it's widescreen. Like, really? You're gonna treat your 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 magnum opus like this, and I, like that's how I feel about this game. All they had to do, all they had to do, was update the graphics and maybe the music. But Carrie, they're that, trying to appeal to a to new do. generation, sir. Dude, a, a generation who <laughs> may not be used to the standard RPG, who wants something more live action along the lines of. The latest Final Fantasies in well, the series. Well, then they should go play Final <laughs> Fantasy 15 because people who don't believe turn-based RPGs will sell. I would like to introduce you to a game called Persona 5. It is turn-based and it is amazing. It's a lot of fun. I've got friends that don't even like RPGs that are super into that game because there's so much more to do besides stand around and press buttons like... You're actually going to school. You're a student. Like you have all the stuff you have to do like after school. Like you can go get a job. You have like all these things called confidence where you can go and do different things with different people because you have to develop your relationships with other people to make uh, your character and the battle stronger. Like everything ties in together. And it's just a really good story. And they had, I mean, there's so many more things they could have done to update this game besides make it like a Final, Final Fantasy 15 clone. Like, there's so much other things they could have done, but I'm still going to buy it, so I don't know why I'm complaining. I mean, I guess I'll shut up. <laughs> it's not the game I wanted, but I'll take it. I guess that's where I am. All right. Um, Anything else? Oh, man. Sorry for that rant. No, I, I welcome the rant all the time. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think we've we've covered a pretty good swath of stuff here. Um, of course, with it being the current climate, tech news is not coming as hot and as heavy as we're used to. But but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. 
Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And um, we'll be back next week. Um, anything you want to plug, sir, before we sign off? Um, not really other than saying you should definitely check out this podcast called uh, Listen, Rinse, and Repeat. So the thing with this podcast is that there are 20 to 60 second episodes that are meant to be utilized in the time span that you wash your hands. Uh, that's pretty much the premise. They're all different stories. They're all short and they're pretty interesting. So check that out on your podcatcher of your choice. Uh, listen, rinse, repeat. What else nice. Uh, no, I don't really have anything to plug. Um, of course, uh, we're both on another podcast called the Discussing Trek podcast, um, hosted by my brother, Clarence. Um, it's usually on, well, we normally record it on Mondays, but I don't think it comes out on Monday. What day does it, com- it come out? It comes out on Thursdays. Thursdays. It comes out every Thursday. So next Thursday. Well, actually, I don't think it'll be out next Thursday. We're taking a little hiatus on that. Um, but And, of course, any of the great shows on the Discussing Network, they're all great shows. So um, definitely check those guys out. Um, yeah, thank you, sir. Anything to, add, anything to add, sir? Nah, man. I think we've covered the gamut. Cool. And we did it in under an hour. That's amazing for a Tech Edition <laughs> podcast. We normally run pretty long. Um, so, again, you know, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we shall be back next week. And... Stay safe and have a good weekend. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host, Clarence, and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe, while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper.